Welcome in. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, joined, as always, by Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How nothing, are you? Nothing much. Same old, same old. Just There's getting... been a lot that's been going on in the combat world. It's been a while. I think last time we talked, it was the uh, the John Jones suspension. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and it was uh, right before the uh, Canelo and Triple G fight, and it was also before the Luke Rockhold-David Branch fight. And with the Canelo-Triple G fight, because we don't have to get into Rockhold and David Branch at all, no. um, but looking at the Canelo-Triple G fight Rockhold just real quick. Rockhold wins. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, uh, with the Canelo-Triple G fight, though, do you, do you feel like that was the right choice, or did you feel Triple G should have won? You know what? There's a lot of politics that goes into that fight and that mm-hmm. goes into that decision. However, physically watching the fight, actually watching the fight, and rewatching it, I feel like Canelo won the first half and Triple G won the second half. So the first six rounds, or the first five rounds even, you can give it to Canelo, but then as soon as that you know fifth, sixth round came about is when Triple G started uh, up the output on his punches and his combinations. Because at the beginning of the fight, uh, Canelo was doing very, very good, a very good job at actually landing his jab and moving well. Mm-hmm. He looked like uh, Lomachenko, a Mexican Lomachenko out there. He was very evasive, and I was very impressed with Canelo's uh, evas- evasivity, or being evasive, excuse me. But uh, Triple G kept the pressure, and he utilized straight punches very well. He put together the combinations uh, in a much more crisp fashion than Canelo did, because Canelo was looking for that you know, one-two, two, two mm-hmm. punches, two power punches, but... I felt like the decision slightly could have gone to to Triple G, but I'm not upset with the draw. I I wouldn't mind watching that fight again. Looking at the... the, the scorecard of Bird, uh, Adelaide Bird, who's been very... Can, can, that was... Yeah. We, yeah, he got suspended by the she's Nevada State. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, she, she's been... She's been suspended by uh, the uh, Las Vegas. She scored at uh, 118, 110. So 10 rounds for uh, Alvarez. So, I mean... That's not right. I don't agree with that. I so, didn't agree with that. I did I did see that, but I didn't agree with that. Um, I felt like it was much more closely contested than that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, 118 to 110, that's kind of, that's a bit of a washout now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's giving them eight to, what, eight rounds compared to four? Twelve full rounds. Yeah. yeah. That's, so, no. I don't know. That's, I, I thought it was ridiculous, but I also didn't watch the fight, so I couldn't really give a, you know, true analysis with that yeah. one. So. Um, I'd slightly give it to Triple G, but I understand why they, cut, you know, conducted the draw. Uh, it'll draw again in the rematch. Yeah. So. We will see what happens. But let's move on now to uh, UFC, more of the MMA side. Obviously, uh, boxing's been leaking in since Connor came over and went over to boxing and, and dabbled his feet then. So the next big fight was obviously Canelo versus Triple G, and that's yes. the reason we brought it up. But let's go back to MMA. Let's talk about uh, Bellator and UFC. Let's start in UFC. Uh, they had the prior event on September 23rd on Friday. It was headlined by Ovens St. Pru versus, um, it was supposed to be uh, Shogun. It was supposed to be Mauricio Shogun Hua, but Yushin Okami stepped in mm-hmm. so, and moved up. Yeah, Shogun was uh, sick and withdrew from the fight due to a knee injury, and then Yushin Okami, former uh, middleweight champion. A for- uh, no, former middleweight contender. Oh, cha- challenger. My yes, bad. Wrote number that wrong. one contender. Yeah, he, fought, he fought Anderson, lost to Anderson. That was during Anderson's crazy streak. Um, he stepped in, uh, faced Ovinson Pru, and another Von Flute choke yeah. for uh, o- OSB. The most... Three in out UFC of, history. Three out of five come from OSP. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he really likes that position. Um, he's very heavy on top, and he likes that half guard position, and he'll position his arms in the arm triangle, so you're mm-hmm. defending the arm triangle. And as soon as you're defending the arm triangle is when it's too late, and y- his hit passes well, to side control, and then that's it. It looks like he's not even doing anything, too. And then uh, yeah. you just see Yushin Okami just kind of go lifeless. So it's it's a crazy uh, choke that uh, OSP has kind of mastered so far. Um, it's a and, blood choke because yeah. it actually literally uh, suffocates you with your own shoulder and his own shoulder, including the weight of his own body. Because when you do that, you want to step on your tippy toes and move in and squeeze harder and harder and harder 
until you know Yushin Okami was no more. It's so. absolutely insane. There were some other good fights on that card. You also saw uh, yes. Justin Irofumiga defeat uh, Yusuke Sakasa. You also see uh, Duncan Kim defeat Takenori Gomi. But Uruka's, the fight that I want to talk about... Uruka Sasaki. Sorry, Juicy oh, Formiga versus Orko Sasaki. Damn, I'm not good with uh, <laughs> Japanese names. Uh, but the fight we want to talk about are two Brazilians, actually. Uh, the co-main event, women's strawweight fight between Jessica Andrade uh, and Claudia Gadelia. Jessica Andrade getting the win, unanimous decision yes. um, in three rounds. She yes. absolutely ragdolled Claudia Gadelia, who was <laughs> pretty much yeah, I mean, Claudia Gadelia, who was pretty much the consensus uh, number one contender in women's strawweight. And but Th- this since, was number one versus number four. Yeah, and obviously Andrade coming off a loss against JJ, and JJ absolutely lit her up. Really, the only person to fight JJ close was Claudia Gadelia. And mm-hmm. now we see Andrade ragdoll Claudia. So does this make your in your mind Jessica Andrade the for sure best or second best straw weight in the UFC? She would have to put together maybe a win or two more, but I don't see why not, especially if she does that to uh, the rest of the division. If she can do that to Claudia Gadelia, because we said this, Claudia Gadelia at before this fight was considered physically at least to be one of the strongest uh women's straw weight in this weight class mm-hmm. um now with jessica andrage in this weight class she's a tank she's a little brazilian bulldog and she's ragdogging girls like they're nothing like they're punching bags mm-hmm. she's throwing she's going in there and she's fighting them like she's sparring with them that was a really bloody fight but i mean jessica andrage made made claudia daly look like a like a punching bag like yeah a punching I, bag that you throw around a ground and pound bag she absolutely dominated that fight and the one th- question i want to ask you now is because obviously you're saying she needs another win to for sure be the second best uh women's straw weight in the ufc obviously jj is number one and there's and really she's no fought the both of them too yeah and there's really no contention she's beaten claudia twice and she beat uh, andrage back at ufc uh, i think that was uh 210 in dallas um so who do you who would you have above Andrade because she just beat Claudia, who was, in my mind, the second best. So if she's able to beat Claudia, I feel like Andrade would make the natural jump to the second best women's strawweight. Maybe Rose, but um, Rose is coming off a very impressive win with the Karate Hottie. And, Against uh, Michelle Watterson. Yes, and uh, she is going to be fighting for the title, and she's very tricky and crafty. So, But do you feel skill-wise that Rose is better than Jessica Andrade, or do you feel just because Jessica Andrade, Carolina Kovacavich, and Claudia Gadelia have all lost to JJ, and Rose hasn't gotten the shot. That's why Rose is getting the shot above right. those fighters. Due to process of elimination, I don't necessarily think of it that way. I think her skill set's there. Um, but you know what? Jessica, Andra- uh, Jessica Andrade does very well against girls when she's pressuring them and putting them up against the cage and just you know bulldogging mm-hmm. them, giving them no space. But with Joannas and Jacek, and I think Rose would do this too, I think both girls do a very good job at utilizing distance and utilizing footwork. So I don't think it would be an easy fight for either Rose or Andrade, but it'd be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens when Rose takes on Joanna uh, Jan Jacek yes. at UFC 217. But seeing Joanna Jan Jacek's career, we most likely are going to see a domination from the current uh, women's strawweight champion uh, in the UFC. But let's move on now to the other fight card that happened uh, on Saturday. You, uh, it was Saturday. Oh no, it was both both took place on uh, Friday Saturday. Yeah, so so Friday Saturday. Um, I think it was uh, listed as uh, Saturday because, because it's in J- Japan. Yeah, it was in Japan, so uh, it took place. Uh, UFC's event that take took place in the U.S. Yes. on Friday, 
Um, September 23rd was when Bellator took place. That took place in San Jose. Uh, three fights we're going to be talking about. Aaron Pico defeated Justin Lin. A beautiful knockout that we'll talk about. Paul Daly defeated Lorenz Larkin by another beautiful knockout. And then in the main event, Patricky Pitbull defeated Benson Henderson in a split decision. Let's jump to Pico first. Obviously, Pico was a guy that they were really pushing hard when they had their first event at Madison Square Garden where Chael was taking on Tito. And he um, was upset. Yeah, and, and they, they, you know, it was a loaded card. They put on this kid who was you know, hailed as the next MMA, uh, MMA prodigy, 20 years old. He has you know, a, a crazy lineage, uh, an impressive uh, training partners. Trains he, out of AKA with Crazy Bob Cook. Mm-hmm, and he gets choked out in his first fight um, at Bellator 180 in the garden to Zach Freeman. And then he comes back with a beautiful knockout against Justin Lin. What did you see in this fight compared to his first fight? You know what? I saw him much more disciplined because when he went into his first fight, he kind of just went forward too much. He didn't utilize. He didn't usually. He didn't utilize angles. Mm-hmm. He didn't move well. Um, he basically just came forward and had his head, hands up and his chin down. And that's a classic, you know, boxing style. And he also comes from a wrestling background. So both of those backgrounds combined, you're going to have a very low stance, a very low base. So that opened him up for an uppercut. And this fight, I saw him move much more. He was using lateral movement. He's moving side to side. He was uh, pumping out his jab. He was using kicks. He was much more aware. He was using head movement. I saw a much better Aaron Pico in this fight. I saw an experienced Aaron Pico in this fight. Let's say that. And that's crazy to say as a 20 20- year old so it's going to be impressive to see what pico can do in his weight class and see you know if he truly is the next prodigy at the featherweight division but he looked uber impressive and it was a really a highlight real knockout that he had against justin lynn i do have to note that his first fight was at lightweight so in this fight he was at featherweight mm-hmm. so that's a 10 pound difference so maybe he's much more suited for featherweight he he looks shredded at featherweight he looked good we will see what happens with his career but obviously he's a, a very young kid with a lot of potential let's move on now to the next fight Paul Daly defeats Lorenz Larkin and Paul Daly has been you know back and forth just recently lost to Rory McDonald hasn't really gotten his feet set lately in Bellator Lorenz Larkin coming into Bellator loses his first fight and then you have Paul Daly versus Lorenz Larkin two guys are tr- really trying to find their Both way fighters who the champion Champion Douglas Lima was beaten. Mm-hmm. Both guys obviously trying to find their way in Bellator. So looking at this fight, Paul Daly knocks out Lorenz Larkin in the second round. But before we even started, you were talking about how Lorenz Larkin was really dominating this fight. Lorenz Larkin looked he really got good out. on his feet. Yes, he was throwing a lot of kicks at distance. He was utilizing range and he was very light on his feet. He was very smart to get his back away from the cage whenever it was there, mm-hmm. but keep the pressure on Daly. But the, when you when you put pressure on someone like Paul Daly, you run the risk of getting clocked with that Semtex, with those with that huge left hook that he's got. Uh, you saw that with Brennan Ward was putting real good pressure on Paul Daly, and then he gave Paul Daly a little bit of space, and he shot in for a takedown. He was just ducking in. He didn't even shoot in for a takedown. And then Paul Daly recognized that and instinctively threw a flying knee and knocked him out. This was kind of the same case because they were in the pocket and they were breaking away. And as soon as they were breaking away, Paul Daly saw the opening and he just, he literally threw three hooks in a row. Mm-hmm. And the the second one knocked him out. The third one was just for assurance. Yeah, and we'll but um, I mean, it was it was a great knockout. We'll see what happens with Paul Daly and, and you know his next move in, in Bellator because you and know, you know what, looking at his Bellator record, it's you're right. It is kind of win loss, win loss, win loss. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, obviously, you mentioned the win over Brendan Ward. You mentioned the win against Lorenz Larkin. But then when he faces the guys near the top, like Douglas Lima, who's the current champ, and Rory McDonald, a former UFC champ who most likely will be fighting for a belt former soon. Former UFC number one contender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely will be fighting soon. Obviously, he hasn't been able to beat the best of the best lately. Um, and Lorenz Larkin, a guy that was a big signing for Bellator, um, now two losses in that promotion. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, let's move on now to the main event. Uh, Patricky Pitbull defeats Benson Henderson. What were your thoughts on this fight? Because obviously it was a split decision, and Benson really hasn't looked that great so far. No, he hasn't. Uh, you talked about uh, Lorenz Larkin having two losses already in Bellator. I mean, it. It. I feel like a lot of the UFC guys come in to Bellator, go to the WSRF, or now the, what's known as the Professional Fight League, with a certain sense of, not ignorance, but like um, assurance. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like kind of... Um, you know, I, I came from the UFC, you know, kind of... With some, uh, I want to say, ego. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I, I see that a lot. I saw that when Benson... I felt I felt that way when Benson Henderson fought Andre Kreshkov. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt that way when Lorenz Larkin fought Douglas Lima for the first time. I feel like he wasn't ready for that that power at welterweight. But, um, you know, Roy Nelson looked good in his uh, debut at Bellator. He, he kept top control. But, I mean, Benson Henderson, I would... Uh, I would like to see him put everything together now because this is his first fight after ACL surgery because he announced that he fought both of his Bellator fights with uh, with no ACL. Well, he has had three. He lost to Kurechov, lost to Patricio Pitbull. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, beat Patricio Pitbull. But that was, on, that on was due injury. to, uh, yes, it was it was a leg injury. And then Michael Chandler, losing to Michael Chandler. I mean, he hasn't looked terrible. Two of them were split decisions. Um, the fight against Chandler was pretty hesitant. Um, Kurechov really beat him took, him, took him to pace. Like you mentioned, Patricio Pitbull, that was more of a freak injury that, that knocked him out. Um, and then you look at Chandler and, and Patricky Pitbull. Pitbull, those have been two close fights. Um, do you think Benson is really coasting? Do you think that Benson still has it in him and he's just not showing it? I or think do you Benson think that does, he's just being outclassed? I think uh, I think it's a combination of a few of those. Um, I feel like Benson Henderson, if he wants to take his career in Bellator seriously, uh, maybe change up camps and see what other camps offer you because athletically he looks great. He's still got that power. He's he's a Taekwondo black belt. And he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's a very strong wrestler. He's got all the tools that he needs to be a champion again. I just don't think that he's uh, been able to find it and put it together yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe switch up camps or change something. Something's got to change. When we look at Patricky for Pitbull, I mean, recently, and he's been on a complete tear since... Yeah. Bellator 126, they lost to Marcin Held. He's pretty much only lost two fights. He's 5-2. and two. Uh, two of those losses come to Derek Anderson, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, the former champion at the lightweight division in Bellator. Looking at him, what do you think his next step is? Does he try to fight Michael Chandler? Does he try to fight for the belt? What Do you do you think he's still in that contention and in that range to you know get back to title contention in Bellator? Maybe fight the winner of Godi Yamauchi. Um and Adam Piccolota, because Gaudi Yamauchi uh, did a very good job at choking out Adam Piccolotti mm-hmm. in the first round. So um, I would like to see those two fight for number one contendership. If not, have either Pachiki Pitbull fight the former champion in Michael Chandler or just go for that strap. And obviously, there's a lot to go from in Bellator. There's a lot of options at lightweight. And we'll see what they do. But let's move on now back to the UFC. We mentioned uh, a little bit about UFC 217. check taking on Rose Namajunas in a stack card. You also got Michael Bisping taking on the returning GSP. Yes. You also got Cody Garbrandt versus TJ yes. Dillashaw. Steven Thompson versus uh, Jorge Masvidal. Yes. It's an absolutely loaded card. But before then is UFC 216. That one's happening 
uh, on October 7th, which is not too far away. I believe it's uh, two Fridays from now. So yes. we got two weeks before that. Tony Ferguson taking on Kevin Lee. And, and I don't really want to talk about the fight yet. I don't really want to preview that fight yet. But I want to talk about the decision um, in that class, in the lightweight class, for yeah. an interim title between Let's Tony Ferguson, about that. Between Tony Ferguson and, and Kevin Lee. Obviously, uh, Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov are supposed to be fighting for the interim uh, lightweight championship uh, back at UFC 213, if, if I'm recalling that. I think it is 213. Um, but Habib had to pull out. What do you think about going away from Habib and going to this Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee fight? At first, I was very upset because I didn't think that, you know, Kevin Lee was deserving of it. But you know what? If he feels like he's the best in the world, throw him in there. If he's willing to fight the best in the world, throw him in there. This is actually what I like to see. I like to see fighters who actually come up and rise to the occasion and say, hey, I'm the best in the world. I'm here to stay. So let me fight the best of the best. And Tony Ferguson mentally is the same way. Um, So I'm, I'm actually very excited for this fight because this is a chance for Kevin Lee to show what he's really made of. So I'm very excited for this fight. We all know what Tony Ferguson's capable of. He's only got one loss in the UFC, and then after that, he's been on a complete tear. Mm. Um, he He's made former champions look like amateurs when he beat up RDA. Yeah. He looked really, really good. Well, and there's one thing that I want to talk about, at least with this fight, is that, you know, obviously Habib's one of my, my favorite fighters, and yes. I feel like he, he's done enough to at least get a title fight. I mean, obviously, he's, he's undefeated in his career, just rolled through Michael Johnson, a guy who was a top 10 uh, lightweight at the time of him beating him back at UFC 205, and obviously with the whole Connor situation, who hasn't fought in the UFC since UFC 205, um, there's, you know, a lot of, you know, things going up in the air. So do you think that, and do you feel that, you know, Dana White will be true to his word and kind of true to the title of an interim champion and that the winner of this Kevin Lee fight and Tony Ferguson fight, or this Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson fight will fight Connor whenever Connor is available? Or do you feel like they might go away with that and just go with who Connor wants to face, which might be a Habib Nurmagomedov? It's very difficult for me to imagine Connor in a logical fighting situation. And this is what I mean by this. They're already talking about McGregor and Nate Diaz three and not to be disrespectful but that's not necessarily something that a true mixed martial arts fan would want to see I want to see the champion defend his belt against someone like Khabib Nurmagomedov or the winner of Kevin Lee Tony Ferguson so in this sense I would give Khabib the title shot in Russia against Connor and then the winner of this would get the winner of that so the winner of Kevin Lee Ferguson will get the winner of uh Khabib McGregor. And I'm glad you brought up the whole Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor fight because Ira Hawani is saying that that is the targeted fight. Nothing has been made yet. They're shooting for December, but then again, nothing has been signed and nothing is official um, at all. But you look at Nate Diaz, his last loss against Conor, his last actual win, um, not against, uh, not in a fight against Conor, was against Michael Johnson. Before that, he lost to RDA. So he was a guy at, before the fights with Conor in the lightweight division. He was a top 10 fighter. So yes. do you think it's absurd like a Dan Henderson level of absurd to give Nate this title shot over guys like Habib Tony and Kevin Lee yes and no because Nate Diaz hasn't necessarily sustained the same damage as Dan Henderson has he hasn't been knocked out over and over and over again he's only been finished twice in his mixed martial arts career and that's a very long career Nate Diaz he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt he's very good on his feet with his boxing he's nasty off of his back he's got uh he's very strong in the clinch actually so you know what no I don't believe that I feel like Nate Diaz is a dangerous fight for anybody at any weight class whether it's 170 or 155 including a fight against Conor McGregor because he's already proved that, one, he can beat him, and two, he can go five rounds with him. He can take that shot. He can take that left hand. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that... It's, it, it, it isn't... It, 
it shouldn't be as frowned upon as it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. As long as it is for his belt and not just a catchweight fight, because I want to see Connor fight with a purpose. Well, I want to see Connor's next event to, with some sort of purpose and, behind and it. And I feel like the goal is since you know Nate, since they did the 170, and both guys were really you know, I mean, Connor was going up to 170, really didn't need to. Nate can make 155. But that's just the kind of competitor athlete, uh, athlete no, and competitor that Connor is. But what I'm what I'm saying is, I, I don't think it's going to be a catchweight fight because Connor wanted at 170 to prove a point. Right. But now since he has this belt. It's not only going to be, you know, hey, look, it's a, a trilogy fight, but it's also a title fight, and it means something. Right. So I feel like they have that that kind of background. I, I, I feel like— Which would be smart. Yeah, I feel like if, if they go that way, I, I would be annoyed by it because then again, it's Connor getting what he wants, and it's Connor getting a, another money fight instead of fighting a true champion. But then again— I can't really turn down a Nate Diaz Conor McGregor three because those right. fights have been absolutely phenomenal. Both, yes, you know, in the octagon and then also outside the octagon because those guys can really know how to build a fight. So I, I, I'm excited to see what happens with lightweight, and I think how Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee perform in their fight um, at UFC 216. It will definitely depend on the state of the lightweight championship. Uh, any other things you want to mention, Danny, before we wrap this up? Just yeah. in the world of MMA, because a lot of, a lot has happened. You can bring up anything you want. A lot has happened. Uh, John Jones has officially been stripped of his light heavyweight title. Good. Um, his win has been changed to an O contest. Uh, Daniel Cormier <laughs> is now the new champion, new old champion, old new champion. What's old is new, Has Sean. been reinstated. Yeah, has been as reinstated as champion. the light heavyweight champion. Uh, Chuck Liddell says that he wants to come back. Um I, yeah, it, Chuck, what do you think about that? Because Chuck has talked that he wanted to come back, and obviously Tito retired, yes. but they even teased a little bit of that. Do you want Chuck to come back at all? Like, is there any part of you that wants to see Chuck Chuck Liddell fighting again? I still have a poster of Chuck Liddell on my door in my room. But does that mean you want? I love I love Chuck Liddell. Um, I had a poster of Sammy last... Sosa, but I don't want Sammy Sosa <laughs> coming back to baseball. Um, this is a little bit different. Yes, I mean, if you look at Chuck Liddell's last four fights, they were all knockout losses. Mm-hmm. were all knockout losses. Rashad Evans, Mauricio Shogun, Hua, Rich Franklin, and there was one more. Um, I don't remember which one. Was it Randy? No. With um, Chuck Liddell? Uh, yes. You said Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin. Rashad, because that's Rashad when he, Evans. He lost the belt in that fight, right? Uh, he lost the belt against Quentin Rampage that's Jackson. Right. So, and then he lost Keith Jardine. That might be it. Um, he lost it to was, Jardine, and then he won against uh, Vanderlei. He got knocked out by Quentin. Yes. He got knocked out by Rashad. He got yes. knocked out by Shogun and Rich Franklin. Those were the okay. f- last four knockouts that he he lost. He lost a, dis- uh, a split decision to Keith. Okay, okay. Journey, and then beat Vanderlei. Yes. So um, if you look at if you look at his past few fights in the UFC, it, it was kind of painful to watch. If you're a real big Chuck Liddell fan, um, I would very much like to see him come back because he's taken a very long time off, and in that time off, he hasn't stopped training. Even when he retired, he hasn't stopped training, which is something I've always appreciated about Chuck Liddell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, being a former champion, being in there for a long time, he still understands that I need to keep in shape just in case the itch doesn't go away. Yeah. Obviously, the itch hasn't gone away, so 
I would very much like to see what Chuck Liddell can do. I think it's definitely dangerous, though, with a guy with his age being away from the fight for so long and taking the damage that he has to, to come back. Um, I think it would probably be ill-advised, but Bellator, um, as as most companies would, I mean, Chuck Liddell was a star when he was fighting, and if they're yes. able to be like, hey, Chuck Liddell's coming back, they can definitely make a lot of money off a Chuck Liddell return. Anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode of the MMA Minutes. For Danny Gutierrez, I'm Sean Anderson. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back very soon, uh, probably most likely uh, next week, and if not next week, the week after, because we got a preview UFC 216, like we mentioned, Kevin Lee yes. and Tony Ferguson taking on each other for the interim lightweight championship, and also Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson taking on Ray Borg, a rescheduled fight for the, uh, that's not bantamweight, what is it? Flyweight. Flyweight, that's it. I I've always forget about the division. I understand. <laughs> There was a, I, don't, well, I don't understand because Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson's he's the, been the, dominant. Most, the most dominant champion in the UFC roster of champions. What? There's nine divisions, nine divisions, <laughs> and then two, three now, three women's divisions. I always get confused. And they're thinking about adding three more. What the? Wait, what weight classes? I we were supposed it. to end this podcast. Well, hold on. <laughs> what, what weight classes? Are um, they had announced that they were supposed to add uh, potentially three more weight classes. I believe it was one sixty and one ninety. Was that was that the UFC though, or was that the commission giving them the ability to add those? Uh that's a good question. I'm not think, very I, sure. I think that, but those talks have been. I think the commission brought up. Yeah, I think the commission said gave the okay to three. New weight classes, and I think I think I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think 195 or 190 was one of them. 160 yes. was definitely one of them. Yes. Um, I, I think maybe uh, something Adam, weird like 133. Or, oh, that's right, Adam weight. I think Adam weight might have been approved, but I don't think I think Dana said that he's not going to look into uh, doing that. I think they should definitely open up a 160 division. Anyways, we got to end the podcast. Maybe that's a different time. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, for Danny Gutierrez, I'm Sean Anderson. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you later. See you guys next time.